you, Lord Jesus. It's wonderful, isn't it? Amen. Praise the Lord. They ever run y'all off from Louisiana? You got another home up here, you know that. Amen. They used to live up here. I'm wondering if they didn't miss the will of God. But not that bad. It's so hot down there. for nothing. Brother Tim's my buddy. <laughs> I'll be seeing him this week too, so I won't get in trouble. <laughs> Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. We'll turn as we <clears throat> read from the scripture today. Praise the Lord for his mercy to us today. <clears throat> Remember, we'll be having um, communion service Wednesday. This Wednesday will be the last Wednesday night that we'll be able to have service here. Right now we've got... Um, the Sundays of September that we're going to be here, but we're trying to just look around different buildings and see if we can, what we can come up with, but um, we'll keep you posted, certainly. We wanted this building to sell, but just not hardly this soon. The Lord always has a sense of humor, didn't he? He knows how to put us under pressure and um, make us pray and all that, so just remember us concerning those, those things. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee? Rest. In other words, marriage. Now those of you that have a good marriage, you know what it can really be. It can be one of the most awesome things in this life when God joins you together. That it may be well with thee. And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast. Behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore and anoint thee. Put thy raiment upon thee. That's what she's doing, giving her the protocol to be able to approach this great wealthy man. Wash thyself therefore, anoint thee, put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. Let's bow our heads together. How many like to be remembered today? You've got need on your heart before the Lord. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we again want to thank you for the opportunity that we can assemble ourselves together in the house of God. Thank you, Lord, for another day of life that we can be able to live. We realize all over the world Thousands of people never made it through the night. Lord, a flood that I was reading about here this morning, over a thousand people dead. We look and see the earth in such a calamity. Europe, the rivers are drying up. The mighty Rhine coming down through Germany and much of Europe. And they're not able to ship their goods because it's drying up. The Yangtze in China one river after another after another. The great Euphrates. The earth is going through this shock, getting ready for a new day. So it's not just us as the people of God. In some places, floods down through Mississippi. Pearl River will crest today at 32 to 36 feet. People around Jackson being told to prepare, to leave. Other parts of the earth are drying up. Lake Powell. Hoover Dam, everywhere, there's tumult and trouble. 
Lord Jesus, we're praying today that you would be, help us to be ready, Lord, to meet you. Well, we've heard about it. Many of us have been in church all of our life. We've heard the signs of the end times and all of that, but we're getting closer than we've ever been. We want to be ready, Lord. Help us, I pray. Speak to us today from your word, Father, we ask in Jesus' name. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm sure those of you that keep up <clears throat> with the signs of the times, and you know that our earth is going through very traumatic things. Floods, droughts, shortage of food, shortage of fertilizer, shortage of all kinds of things that are happening every day. We know that these types of events always forerun great things that are fixing to happen spiritually. We know the heavens declare the same thing, that God will send signs in the heaven. And we believe truly that as the people of God, the Lord has given us a message that would help us to be prepared for this hour. Sure, we still plant our potatoes, we still build houses, we still do that. We plan as if, though, it will go on for many, many years, but live as if, though, we may die in the next minute, because we really don't have a clue when that time will be. And we can see from the types that the Lord's been, been sharing with us from the scripture and from the message of the hour that these things have been written before that we would be ready. I just thought Brother Darrell did such an awesome job here Wednesday night, wasn't it? It was just so, so wonderful. <clears throat> and this is why that the coming of the Lord will not take the people of God at unawares. If you study the uh, times of the Roman general Titus and you look at Vespasian, his father, and you see that they tried under a couple of different assaults to be able to take Jerusalem. And one of them totally, completely failed. There was two outer, was two outer walls and then an inner wall. And they come and they absolutely defeated them, the Jews did. And they felt like that they was going to be able to do it. But they would not because the prophecy the Lord Jesus gave them let them know that things are at hand. Now, in Matthew 24, many people confuse that. Whenever the Lord Jesus said, pray that your flight be not in the winter, you know, let it not be this time, that time, that time. But he's answering things that are going to happen around 70 AD. But he's also answering things that's going to happen 2,000 years later. And this is where that Seventh-day Adventists, many of those others, not, not belittling them, but they put all of that together and made it one prophecy that it would come to pass. That's not the way he said it. So there were saints of God that were living outside the city. You know, even through the time of the Renaissance, and I've been into Europe and seen many of those cat, uh, castles that were built in the 1400s, 1500s, 1600s, and they're still standing there to this day. And many of them would choose a high spot. They would pick a spot, and then the peasants and the poor people would live down all through the valleys. But whenever the enemy would come in, they would all run to the place of protection. And there they would go. We sat a couple of years ago in France and sat there in Switzerland. We sat actually at a restaurant inside of that castle there. Here was these long, slender windows, wasn't even no glass there, but where they shot their arrows and their lances. And I, as we were sitting there eating, I couldn't keep from thinking about how many men had given their lives and how many people had done this and that. But they were warned and they knew whenever the enemy come, they knew where to go, which was where the castle. So it's the same way with us. God has given us a place that we're able to run to. 
Now we can see this same thing parallel by Ruth. Ruth was a type of the Gentile bride because since she wasn't Moabitess, uh, history tells us that actually Ruth was the daughter of the king of Moab. So you imagine going from being the daughter of the king of Moab to being a peasant, leaving the uh, god of Chemosh, leaving the historical background of the Moabites and their cousins, the Ammonites, and coming to the Jews, which were outcast dogs looked down on, and left a land that had so much bread, had so much sustenance and so much food and all of that, and come to a land that supposedly was called the land of milk and honey. And yet, her family that she had married into had left that land because of a great drought. And the drought was actually still ongoing by the time they come. So the harvest crops were there, but they weren't what they had been before. So here it looks like that she's going in an opposite direction of the way for wealth, prosperity, blessings. No doubt if she would have stayed there under the dominion of her father, her father would have matched her to some prince from Ammon or from some prince of Libya or Egypt or who knows where, and she would have been a great princess and she would have been, people would have bowed down to her and my, they would have paid her obeisance and how great she would have been. Really? But she followed God. And if Ruth would have married some prince of Lebanon or some prince from Syria or some prince, say, from her own country of Moab, and she would have married him, had a happy marriage, had a few kids, would her name ever made the pages of the Bible? Now, some of you may look at your life and say, well, you know, if I, if I hadn't been serving God, I could have been a corporate this and that and the other, and I could have done this, and I could have been a musician, and I could have been a Hollywood star. But I'll tell you one thing, all of that that you would have done will perish in a moment in the fire. But if we have given our lives to him, your name will be forever remembered. Now remember, this little woman didn't do this because she knew beforehand she was going to be a great character of the Bible. She didn't do this knowing that here we are in 2022, and I'm only one of the many, many, many preachers that have preached about her and called her name. She's had so many stories written about her. She's had movies made about her. Poems have been written about her. She didn't have a clue any of that was going to happen. She was just strangely led by a force that was beyond herself. She probably couldn't understand it. She probably couldn't explain it. But here she is in part of God's vision. And to herself, God withheld much of it from her as he does from us. Now let's read in Ruth chapter three, verse four. And it shall be when he lieth down, thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. And thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. Now remember, all of this is strange to her. She don't know what to do, but she's teachable. She actually is a real type of the Gentile bride because the real Gentile bride is teachable by the Holy Ghost. 
She's teachable, my men of God. She's teachable, that's right, and she always wants to maintain that spirit. I hope we're all that way today. Now, she's already told her what to do, the order of the baths and the anointing oil as we've already been through, but now she's coming into the, the close, intimate steps of this place that's going to be very scary. Now, I myself, I've experienced the blessings of God since I was just a wee boy. And there's many times the blessings of God can make it, oh, you're just so happy and you feel like rejoicing and you just feel like jumping around or whatever more. Oh, some of y'all looking at me strange because you ain't ever felt that way. Well, you know, but however the Lord makes you feel, enjoy. And then there's other times that the Lord makes it real somber feeling. You know how that is. And he wants that to stick with you. He don't want us to play the music and drive that away from you. He wants you to leave without deep soul-searching feelings. So you can just think about and meditate what's been said. And then there's other times I found myself that I was in his presence and I was afraid. Anybody ever been there? to where you were in his presence and you were scared. Now, I hope you understand that God has this about him. Well, you say, is that scriptural? Maybe we should consult with John. John said, and I fell at his feet as dead. Daniel had one vision and was sick for days. You see, there's something about the presence of God, and this is why that God demands this of us, that we approach him in this honorable, fearful way. Now, I know it may seem like that it's opposites to you, but if you listen to the sermon I've been telling you about in respects in 1961, Brother Random explains it very, very beautifully, and he says, it's not that you're afraid of God. You see, we don't, God don't want us to fear him in that sense, but he does want us to be awed by by his presence. Also, there's something about this approach that it does this. Now, Ruth is fixing to enter in to this. Now, remember, she's met this man out on the field because it was at his field that she started gleaning. But now she's going to meet him under a total different circumstance. When she met him the first time, there were other maidens there. There were workers there. There was a bunch of people there. But now she's going to have an encounter with the Lord of the harvest which is only going to be her and him. And it's going to be in a very unusual setting. Now, she's giving her instruction. Now, remember, she says, thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. Now, remember that Boaz was a judge in Israel, and he was an expert in the law. So now Naomi only took her so far, but now her future husband has to take her and teach her what must happen after this stage of the journey. He will tell her who the next of kin is. He will tell her if it's him or not him. He will tell her what must be done. Now Naomi has led her as far as she can go. If you get time and you run out of something else to listen to, you might listen to the one. I think it's 1031.65 called Leadership, or Brother Ram called it Follow Me. It's the one preached in Prescott. And he goes into that about the leadership of Jesus Christ. And it starts out as us as little children and how that probably it was your mother that led you in your first step. 
And then he goes on up to where mother brings you up so high and then your father takes you. And then your school teacher and on and on and on. And then he finally winds up with the leadership of the Lord Jesus in your life. Now if you watch Ruth, she's a perfect type of that Gentile bride. That she doesn't come up so far and say, I don't need any more church. I don't need to go to church anymore. You see, the people in the message who get that attitude are not answering the antitype of Ruth, their type in the Old Testament. They are totally missing it. Ruth did not go there and said, I don't need nobody telling me what to do. I certainly ain't gonna sit under no preacher. I don't know, I don't need that. I don't need no church. I don't need nothing. I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna do what I think. And guess what? You won't get married. Because this is the protocol. Now, whenever, whenever Naomi's protocol runs out, then the protocol of Boaz will kick in. You understand? That's the way it is with phases in our life and our walk with God. So he is going to explain to her about the marriage rights and all that. Notice now in verse five, and she said unto her, all that thou sayest that I likest, I will doest. And what I don't likest, I won't doest, okayest? Well, that's what we do. We think God's word is like a cafeteria. So we go in and if there's broccoli, well, y'all know how I love that stuff. You know what I do on, don't you? I pass on it. Well, some of you don't like green beans. You don't like mashed taters. You don't like this and that and the other. And a lot of folks, that's the way they do God's word. They pick out what they want. You know, they want this, they want that. They don't like that. I ain't taking that. Well, that's not the way the bride is. The bride takes every word. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Notice her attitude, real bride. But she said unto her, all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. So she has a willingness to obey. And it's the same way with the real people of God. And the willingness to obey God, and that this is the secret that'll lead to knowing what he wants you to do. You see, some people approach God about whatever it is in their life, but their mind is already pretty much made up. And then they wonder why the will of God remains such a mystery for them. And part of it is because of our own attitude. God knows we're not going to obey him anyway, unless it goes along with what we want. But now Ruth is so different. You see, the will of God is such a blessed thing. Even sometimes it's painful and it hurts us all. But yet, a real child of God, that's, that's what they want. So coming to God with a hidden agenda or with a reservation of the will will never allow us to find the will of God. God. But if we come wholehearted, Lord, I want what you want for me. That's a beautiful song, isn't it? And it's so easy to sing. It's got a really nice melody and all that. But boy, when it comes to living it, oh, it can be tough. Notice in verse six, and she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. So Ruth goes into the threshing floor. Now, you can imagine there's men everywhere, no women at all. Men everywhere. Some laying over here on this pile of corn, that one over there, 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 there. There's servants that are around and about. And we know that Boaz was a rich man. So he had all kinds of servants, and you know where they would have been. According to the law during this time, the servants would sleep in and around their master. So she's not just approaching one man, 
but she's got to step over this one and that one because the servants are going to be laying around their master protecting him. So this is like an obstacle course. But she's got her eyes on that one man. Now she's got to get to him. So no matter how many more she has to go around, no matter what she's got to go through, she's getting to him. Now maybe you had in your mind that okay, she just walks in there and lays down and does it, you know, okay, I'm out of here. No, that's the way modern Laodicea thinks. They don't want no difficulty, they don't want no stress. Can you imagine the stress and the difficulty of trying to walk around each one of these men, each one of them with two eyes, each one of them with two ears, and they're laying there, they are trained to guard their master. And you are sent on this treacherous journey to try to get over there to be able to get to this man. But if you're determined, you'll get to him. Now here she comes. I love the way the Bible says this in verse seven. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. So now this is where he is. He's at the end of the heap. So they've piled up his great big pile and they would have separated, of course. So they would have thrashed out Boaz's grain and Dal's grain and Larry's grain. And of course they kept it in a separate pile. Now Boaz was a rich man, had a lot of fields. So his pile had been a great old big pile. And he lays right down at the very bottom of the pile. So he just kind of piled up around the pile. And then he's got all these servants that's just piling up around him. But she's got to make room to join the pile. She's got to wind up and she can't just be anywhere. Well, what if I go on the other side? She said his feet. What if I go over yonder? But what if somebody sees me? What are they going to think about me? She said his feet. It would have been less reproach. It would have been less risky if she would have went way on the other side and just sat over there and and looked at him. Well, I'll tell you what, ain't this close enough? I can see him. I can wave at him. But she told her his feet. Notice, oh my, and she came, praise the Lord, she came, how? Ah, softly. Imagine the loudest thing in the building. Was her heart. You know how we get when we get nervous and a flush will go through your body. Y'all have had that happen to you? Of course you have. And you're nervous and you're anxious and there's people everywhere and there's hardly any. Remember, these were his guards, so they would lay in such a way that you could hardly step your foot without waking one of them up. They were his protectors. Do you understand the same angels of God that were set at the garden gate of Eden that kept man out of paradise after his fall? Those angels of God are here today beckoning you back to the court of his presence. Oh, they don't always make it easy. No, sir. They don't always come and say, well, you know, we'll let down our guard. Remember, you are approaching the king. There is a way to approach him. But here she comes softly. 
Maybe going back in her mind, now what was it she said? And she quoted, maybe she quoted what the messenger said. Well, on page so-and-so, you know, paragraph so-and-so, how was it it said there? Oh yeah, I no longer call you church, but I call you bride. Hallelujah, oh yeah, hallelujah. Ah, that's, that's what he said. Oh yeah, now I've got I've to keep focus now because I'm getting closer and closer. And you're these guys, it's like they're way, laying interwoven. And she has to, it's like a landmine. And here she comes. If she touches one, it'll be his sword. He'll reach and grab it. He'll kill her right there on the spot. Can you imagine death and life are both within her reach? Nervousness and deliverance are right there. Oh, hallelujah. It could be devastating if somebody raises up that does not recognize her. What if there's servants laying on the floor that was not in the field that day when Boaz spoke to her, but all they see is their master. His life is in danger. But something down at her said, I've got to press. So she makes it through the weave of the men's legs and their arms. And she finally comes up to where he is, walking softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. Now she's arrived. So she pulls the cover off of his feet and lays right down at his feet. Now him laying this way, her laying maybe like this. She's got to kind of ball up because them other guys are laying there everywhere. So she kind of don't want to touch nobody and she's got to keep herself, but at the same time, she wants to be close enough to his feet that the warmness of her body will be able to express something to him. Now, notice what happened. It came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid. Wow. So you've got guards all around you. You've got all this wealth of grain, but you are afraid. So what frightened him? A woman. They can do that to you. In a good way and in a bad way sometimes. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid. And he turned himself. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. Oh God, let me always be there. You see, she didn't lay equal to him, him laying like this and her just climb right up and lay down. That would have been improper. She did not lay above him. She did not lay above his head as if she was his crown. She laid at his feet as if she was his footstool. That's the way a real child of God looks at God. 
I ain't deserving of his mercy and I'll go ahead and say it, you ain't either. We ain't deserving of all of his grace. If he needs a footstool that he can place his feet on, I'd be happy to be that. No wonder David said I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. You talking about an honor just to come to church and sweep the dust where the saints have tracked it in. Pick up chewing gum papers off of the parking lot, but to be in the presence of the Lord, to be in the house of God and experience what we're allowed to experience, there's nothing like it in all of this world. Let the world pass away and it will. Let Hollywood pass away and it will, but give me his presence. So somehow, he woke up. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what it was, where it was, the aromatics from her garments, if it was the fragrance from her skin, or if it's just, you know, startled. Y'all ever do that? You just get startled. That's why I was this morning at one o'clock, just startled. And a lot of times I'm startled, I like for never go back to sleep again. But somehow, he was startled and awakened. And he finds this most peculiar thing, a woman laying at his feet. I'd scare you to death, especially if you're a single man. Uh, or a married man if it's the wrong woman. <laughs> Woo! <clears throat> and he said, who? Art thou? And she answered, are you going to answer? I am Ruth, thine, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid. For thou art a near kinsman. Notice the way the writer, which you don't know who the author of the book of Ruth is. But notice how the writer catches this phrase and he, he puts it as if though that whenever Boaz, this happens to him that he, he, he speaks almost in a harsh tone or a frightened tone or a really tore up tone. Because this is so unusual and he, he, don't, he don't understand what's going on. You can imagine you're, you're in a dead sleep and all of a sudden you're awakened out of that sleep and there's a woman laying at your feet. But he doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't accuse her of being filthy or immodest. And why is that? Because she was at the right place. You see, had she been laying beside him and he turned over during the night and he pops open his eyes and there's a woman. The story wouldn't say the same thing. But you see, when he recognized where she was and who she was, the approach worked. Now remember, she had come under the wings of Adonai already. As a matter of fact, Boaz tells her this in the book of Ruth chapter two, verse 12. And the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Amen. 
Now she's wanting to be under Boaz's wings. So she tells him her need. Thou art a near kinsman. She's been informed by Naomi of the right of redeemership. So the word spread your wing, it actually comes from the little birds that would come under the wing of their mothers. Now, as we know, there's birds of prey here, hawks and different things like that. So they have the same thing in Israel, different types. But it comes from that, that meaning. So she was saying, I, I'm out like a little bird out in the field. My husband's gone. I have no family. I have no place to go. I have no rest. That sounds like us for the Lord found us. We go from one bar place to another bar, bar place and somebody tell you about a new drug and you try it to get a different type of high and they tell you about this and that and the other. Is that right? And yet you're looking for rest and for peace. Oh my. She was looking for a, a man, but not just any man, but a near kinsman. Kinsman, rather. Notice and he said, blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, insomuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. Now the Jews and the historians say that Boaz was 80 and Ruth was 40. So here is quite a setting. Now, she was a beautiful woman, a woman that any younger man, as far as looks, would certainly want to be with her. But notice this is something that stuck out to Boaz about her character, that you wasn't just looking at some younger man that had money and had this and that and the other, but you were looking for something yourself, a marriage made in heaven. A marriage that would line up with the scriptures. Now remember, God forbid the land of Israel to be sold outside of the tribe. God told them the land is mine. It don't belong to you. The land is mine. So this land that I give to Issachar, Zebulun, and Dan, and Naphtali, and all the rest of them, I don't want you trading it out. I don't want you selling it to some this and that and the other, but if you get to where you can't afford it, let one of your brothers that live in your tribe, let them buy it. God wanted it to remain in their tribe. Is that right? So this is why when they got into this spot, there must be a Goel that is of the same tribe. How in the world are we ever gonna be redeemed? When we are lost men and God is so holy and so righteous and so pure and separate from sin, it looks like Satan defeated the whole program of God. But he didn't know God was going to become one of our own tribe. That's the only way we could ever go well. That's the only way we could have a kinsman redeemer was for him to come down and become a part of the tribe of humanity. By taking our humanity on himself, he could enter in and become our kinsman redeemer. Praise be to God. Oh, don't that make you love him? Oh, one day, little bride, when you stand before the Lord Jesus and he looks at you and says, 
You didn't follow the world. You didn't follow church entity organizations. But you chose me. So compared, Ruth in her age compared to Boaz, a man twice her age. Sort of like marrying the ancient of days. Hallelujah. How many of you 40-year-old women would want to marry an 80-year-old man? Get in your wheelchair, honey. Okay, you ready to go to Walmart? And people looking at you, a 40-year-old woman pushing around this old guy, and they say, she must have married for money. They say, no, actually, I got more money than he does. She must have married because she's crazy. But you imagine this young, beautiful woman wanting to marry an 80-year-old man? It's not by what you see. It's not by our sight. It's not by our feelings, our emotion. Don't you understand? The word is everything. This is why God so favored Ruth. Listen to his response. And now, my daughter, fear not. Wow. You see, she hadn't heard this yet. Compliments are nice, but she needs a promise. Fear not. For I will do to thee all that thou hast required. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. This is why all the city of God are waiting breathlessly with anticipation when the bride will come in. You imagine the prophet being able to share with Brother Lee Vale, 1965, whenever the church age book was finished. And the prophet being able to go down through there and proofread all of that. And whenever he had written there that the gates were already hung and the streets of gold were already laid and the angels were there waiting breathlessly. They were waiting in 1965. You understand, the Lord Jesus had been building on this place since he left the earth. Almost 2,000 years he'd been working on this. He's been busy. Who for? You. Jesus wears multiple hats. You understand what I say when I, when I say that? This is why he receives multiple crowns. Amen. We'll get to that later. But he's there as our high priest. But he's also there as our builder, our designer, our creator, making a place. And you tell me it won't be a phenomenal thing that all of us will be able to get there and there won't be one sister walk in and say, I don't like the color of this room. Now, why in the world did the Lord Jesus put that over there? Every sister, every brother, every interior decorator, every exterior decorator, no matter what you were in your former life, there won't be nobody walk in there and say, I don't even like this place. I don't like the grass. I don't like this. Everybody will love it from day one, and they will love it one billion years later. If there would be a billion years later, nobody will be dissatisfied. Nobody will be dissatisfied. Disheartened, nobody will be sad, and all the inhabitants of the city know what a woman the bride is. 
which is one of the biggest miracles you can ever describe because most of us ain't nothing but rotten, sorry, no good, bunch of dirt bags. But he's still working on me and thee. Oh, I love these words. Fear not. Maybe, maybe I'm behind you all, okay? Maybe I'm a little slow. I, I realize I probably am. But sometimes in life's journey, I get fearful. Sometimes when things happen and I can't see the outcome, I don't know which way it's gonna go or how it's gonna turn or how it's gonna become. My flesh, my humanity becomes fearful and I need to hear from him. Anybody else in here ever need to hear from the Lord? Because I love him so much, it's not that I'm terrified when I'm in his presence when I say fear. And if you listen to that respect sermon, you'll hear Brother Branham say that God demands respect and he said it only comes by fear first and then explains the difference there. But it's a wonderful thing whenever you know that you're gonna stand before God. But it's not that you're terrified to pray. It's not that you're terrified of his presence. But what I'm so fearful of is I'm afraid I'll miss his will somehow. I'm just so afraid that, that I'll miss his will. And if I make a decision, it can affect hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people around the world. You think, you know, what a responsibility is on some of you fathers. And if you make a wrong decision, it might affect your wife, you, two, three kids, whatever more. But can you imagine multiplying that by thousands and then multiply it by millions? The pressure that prophet of God must have felt. Oh, I can't wait till I get to see him that day. When I woke up there, praise the Lord. Oh, Happy day, happy day when the saints of God of this age will walk up before the prophet of God and we will get in our discreet order and stand behind him as the messenger of the age as he presents us to Jesus Christ. Maybe by now her heart is, it's starting to come but it's still racing. It's still just that nervous. She still hasn't quite got it yet. But he says, fear not. The Lord must really love these words. They're not deep. They're not great revelatory things, but he must really love them because he spoke them so many times to his people. To Abram in Genesis 15, 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Unto Isaac in Genesis 26, 24. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Now you know God well enough to know God would not say this unless they are currently in a dilemma or they're fixing to be. Look to Jacob, Genesis 46, 3. And he said, I am the God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt for there will I 
make of thee a great nation, Moses and the nation of Israel. Exodus 14, 13, and Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians who you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. In verse 14, the Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Oh, I love it when he says those words. Oh my. Joshua chapter eight, verse one, and the Lord said unto Joshua, Friends, why would we feel that somehow it's, it's, it's beneath us as Christians for the Lord to say this to us? He said this to his children all down through time. I need to hear it sometimes. Anybody else here beside me? When you're going through something, maybe a sickness or a disease in your body or a problem in your home, a problem on your job, whatever it is, and the Lord will have a servant of God to stand up and just preach something so simple and it'll be maybe just as simple as fear not and yet you, God speaks to you by a rhema word. It's as if though God himself took that preacher's mouth and spoke right out of there to you. You ought to accept that as the word from God. The Lord said unto Joshua, fear not, neither thou be dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee and arise and go up to Ai. I have given unto thy hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. And the Lord said unto Joshua, fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not be a man of them stand before thee. King Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20, 17. Ye shall not, listen to this, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Wow. Now that's the kind of wars I don't mind. I wish they could all be like that. Sure, that'd make me a lazy Christian, wouldn't it? Just like you. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves and stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed tomorrow. Go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Well, Lord, what are we gonna do? Nothing. Y'all just gonna go out and act like you're fighting. Don't do nothing, just stand still. Praise God, here they come. Boy, them spears are getting closer, ain't they? Them shields are getting closer, them arrows are getting closer. But stand still, but don't fear. Anybody besides me this morning need help in those times of rest? Well, it's much easier to fight sometimes. It's much easier, and that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to take it out of the hands of God and take it in our hands. Oh my goodness, any of y'all ever flew on an airplane in really bad turbulence? Does anybody beside me want to go up there and help that pilot out? Okay, 
Well, I was coming in Springfield, Missouri one time and it was one of them little old puddle jumpers as they called it. And it was so small, Brother Paul, that they didn't even have a door between the cockpit and the passengers. It was only one of them little slide curtains. We come down into them, we're landing right down in Springfield and whenever we do, we hit a certain element of, of turbulence in there. That plane was going straight. I'm looking right at the runway. I'm right behind the pilot. The curtain is open. Whatever would they just to torment me more, I suppose. I'm looking right down the runway and all of a sudden the plane turns sideways and we're going like this. The runway is straight and we're going like this. I'd have done Hail Mary's, Hail Joseph's, whoever more. <laughs> oh my goodness, I thought, Lord. It wasn't storming, it was a beautiful sunshiny day. But something grabbed a hold of that. What I want to do, I ain't never sat in an airplane seat in my life, but I thought I can do better than this, surely. Surely somebody, that's the way we do God. Can you imagine me getting up in that airplane? Well, my goodness, I wouldn't know which button to pull, which one to do this or that or the other. And that's the way it is sometimes when we're going through things. But it's just the humanity that we grapple with every day. We want to grab a hold of this button and that button and this lever and do this and that. And God said, keep your hands off my controls, Donnie. You don't know what you're doing. I'm the one who fought for Abraham. I'm the one who fought for Isaac. I fought for Jacob. I'll fight for you. You're facing the disease today. He will fight for you. So imagine the king gets all the generals, the captains, the lieutenants, the sergeants. They say, yes, sir. You call for us, great king. Yes, we have a word from the Lord. Praise God. What is it, great king? We're not fighting tomorrow. We're not fighting tomorrow. Oh, so is the battle called off? It ain't called off, but we just ain't fighting. We're great king, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to just walk out there. For this is the 30 minutes of silence. You are going to rest. I want you to pass it down to the battalion leaders. I want you to pass it down to every one of them. You will be tempted when the army comes close to grab your sword. You'll be so tempted to grab your rock throwers and this and that and the other. But the closer they get, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Help me, Jesus. The Jewish remnant returning to their land, Isaiah 41.10, fear thou not for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am the Lord thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Verse 13, for the Lord thy God shall hold thy right hand. Wow, what a friend. Saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm. Jacob. Well, hello, brother and sister worm. Why in the world would God say such a thing? Because he wants you to know in your humanity, you're worthless. Fear not, thou worm, Jacob, and you men of Israel. I will help thee. Saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 43, 1, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, 
he that formed thee, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Verse 5, fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. He's still doing it to this day. Do you know that tens of thousands of Ukrainian Jews have landed in Israel since the war from Russia? Did you know that many, many more have left Russia, also coming from Russia back to Israel? There may be tens of thousands that'll come, and there may not be 10 that'll elect 144,000. But God's gonna get them all there at the right place at the right time. You see, God ain't gonna visit the Jews in New York. God ain't gonna send Moses and Elijah down to Midtown. They're not gonna be in the Fox News studio and say, hey, we've come together, the Jews, out of New York. When they come, the Jews will have to be in the land of Israel. You see, it's very important where you are at the right time, not to miss the visitation of God. Isaiah 44, two, thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou just you run whom I have chosen. The prophet Daniel chapter 10 verse 12. Then said he unto me, fear not Daniel, from, from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Can you imagine the angel Gabriel sent from the presence of God because one man had prayed. Verse 19. Oh man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee. Be strong, yea, be strong. Boy, we're pitiful, ain't we? An angel of God is standing before us and we have to hear it second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time. But God in his mercy... <laughs> Be strong, yea, be strong. And when he has spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, speak, let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Oh, Ruth, Ruth. Let's skip a few verses down there. Go back to Ruth chapter three, verse 11. We'll close here shortly. And thou, my daughter, Fear not, I will do all that thou requirest. Oh, but there's an impediment. There's a hindrance. Mm. Now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit, there is a kinsman nearer than I. Josephus, the Jews, the historians, the rabbis say that Elimelech had a brother and his name was Tob. Actually, Boaz is a nephew. You imagine when she hears this. Oh no. How can that be? My hopes, my anticipations of everything I thought. 
You mean Naomi didn't know? She, apparently she didn't know it. The Jews didn't understand it right. We didn't understand it right either. As a matter of fact, we didn't all know we were born between Satan and Eve until we come to the message. Mm. Now he doesn't reject her petition, but remember he's an honest man, a man of truth. So he's got to be truthful with her. And he said, I've got to tell you what's right. I, I wouldn't feel right before God by taking you. Now you imagine an 80-year-old man looking at a 40-year-old woman, looking at her and thinking about his future with her. Do I tell her? Do I keep it a secret? Would God really matter? I mean, if I just stretch the truth a little bit. I won't tell a bad lie, just a white lie. And what verse is that where it white lies? <laughs> now he's got to be honest and reveal a sad part. I find this so strange myself that the brother-in-law of Naomi had not stepped up before this time to try to help this family in need. So Boaz is a nephew, but this man is a brother. Uh-oh. So we've got a problem. So the law strictly says the closest relative. I wonder what's racing through his mind as he stands there in this moment. This beautiful daughter of God, not only in her face and all that, but what a character. What a character, what a wife she would make. I would love to mix my blood with hers. What an heritage it would be to the people of God. Do I do it and then tell her later? Uh, testing, one, two, three, testing, one, two. <laughs> I'm afraid all of us in life will be hit by such circumstances many times. And it's, 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 it's difficult. It's like God is going to bring his people to such a place and will try them on things that will seem so trivial to most people that most people say, that don't even matter. That, goodness, that don't matter. But it did matter. And it's concerning the rights of others. The claim of others. Now, but this looks like to me and you maybe looking at, well, this is right in the, oh, it's, it, it's just an impediment in the will of God. Just overstep it. Just lie and you can always repent for it later. Naomi described him well, for she said, he will tell you what you have to do. Now he is faced with the choice. Am I honest or do I hide it? We'll run out of town. We'll elope. Praise God. That's the answer. Thank you, Jesus. God, give me a way around his word. If you as a pastor, that'd mean more to you. You'd not believe the stuff I've heard over the years. Oh, 
this woman. It's got to be the will of God. It's got to be the will of God for me and her. I know it is. I just know it is. But if I say this, it'll mess up the whole thing. But you see, God had something in this part of the mystery that must be acted out. The shoe has got to be removed. The condescension of our God and the prophet tells us that he kicked off his righteousness. He kicked off all his greatness. He kicked it off as a public testimony to take you to himself. So if Boaz skips this part of the word, the type is broke. You see, personal feelings always increase the urgency of such a matter. Now, but now, no question about it, this man is smitten with this woman. He can't feed the cows. He cannot, I started to say slop the hogs, but they didn't have no hogs. He couldn't feed the cows. He couldn't take up the grain. He couldn't do anything everywhere he looked. I mean, he was sitting, he was sitting the other day, just going by, and there was two turtle doves sitting on a tree, and he said, that's me and her. I just know it is. It was a sign. It was a sign from God. That's me and her. All, everywhere I look, I see her eyes. Everywhere I look, I see her nose. I see her mouth. Oh, she just has such a way about her. But now this is in the way. Surely God would be okay with me. After all, Tob is already married. Ah. And he has children. Tob knows his wife well. He knows she's the she's the mother of these children. And he knows how jealous she is. And if he brings this holy roller into that family, he knows what his miscounsel of the churches will do. Boy, it'll cause the office ruckus in that home ever was. Oh, that Ruth gets up there, goes to praying and reading her Bible and turning them tapes on and that head of the council of church says, hey, hey, turn that thing down. You heard the prophet tell about the story of the old man and he loved the Bible and loved reading it and poor old guy, every time he'd pick it up, he'd get all excited and emotional and just read the Bible and then cry a while and lay it down and just cry and kind of run around a little bit and have a spell. You know, his daughter, he come to live with his daughter. Brother Ben tells the story about it and said his daughter, she's one of these society type of people. They was gonna have a bunch of her friends over, drink pink lemonade. He said, hold her finger up like that. Uh, so she said, what am I gonna do with daddy? What am I gonna do with him? So she got to thinking, daddy, you know what, we, we've got a room up here in the garret, they called it in that time. We've got a room up there, and she thought, but if I send him up there and he takes his Bible, he'll, he'll be carrying on up there. So she thought, I know what I'll do. I won't put no Bible up there. So she took her dad up there and said, now dad, we're gonna, oh, he said, honey, I'll be fine. And she said he had a geography up there. So he thought, he'll be fine, he'll be fine. Brother, I don't care where you put a believer, they'll find God. <laughs> Is that right, Brother Joel? They'll find God. So here the old man gets up there and they're down there and they go to drinking their pink lemonade and having their fancy cookies and all that stuff. She hears something go to carrying on up there. 
And she thought, oh, Lord, there's Daddy in the light. Went to shaking downstairs. She went up the stairs and said, Daddy, Daddy, what's the matter? You ain't got no Bible up here. She said, I know it, honey. I know it. I sat here reading this geography, and I read in the Bible the other day that God cast my sin in the depths of the sea, and I read in the geography they still ain't found no bottom to the sea yet. Oh, glory to God. My sins are still going. You see, by nature and by practice, it's in all of us, you might as well say amen to it. It's in our own agenda to serve our own interest first. And when personal feelings are involved, it becomes even harder. I mean, y'all ever been praying about a decision before and you didn't know what to do and I give people the same advice no matter who they are. Brother Bam says, pray with your mind not made up, basically in neutral. Most of us pray either drive or reverse. We're out of here. Or we're doing this or we're doing that. We think we're in neutral, but we're in drive or reverse. And we've got our foot barely touched on the brake. And our foot is ready, I mean, to blow that gas away as soon as we get any inkling, whatever. But here Boaz is faced with reality. This will mess up everything. This ain't right, it ain't right. It is right. Let's stand. Unless y'all want to come back to later and save and we can finish it. Let's stand. Oh my. So my brothers, let's just go back when you were dating your wife. And if you would have been placed in this situation, you were so in love with her that even when you didn't get to see her and it come a snowstorm and you wanted to see her so bad that you took off on a walk and you walked up the mountain and followed the power line down, snow up to your knees, and you followed the power line down to see her because you missed her so bad. That's what I'd done for Carol. I didn't have no car when we first started talking and dating and stuff. So a friend of mine had a car and he would drop me off down there. So we had church on Sunday morning, church on Sunday night. I mean, I was saved really weird. I had some really strange teaching. I was taught when they have church, you go. I mean, that was really far out, right? Really strange. So I timed, it's about five miles from where Carol lived to be able to get back to the church on time because I played the guitar and sung and stuff, so I wanted to be at my post of duty. So I would stay, I would stay as long as I could stay. And I learned how fast I could run that five miles, 47 minutes. Needless to say, I looked like the devil had been after me by the time I got to church. I was ringing where I was sweating. You all know how I sweat, right? So I get to church and everybody's looking at me and say, what in the world? The love of a woman. It'll cripple you. It'll paralyze you. But you can't live without her. Praise the Lord. So Brother Branham, Brother Charlie at his house one day and Brother Charlie, one of the brothers, had asked him about love. And he said, well, let's just say it this way. See if you've got real love. What if this married life, you've been with your wife and had children and stuff, 
But if it was just a dream, you really wasn't married, and then you wake up and realize you're not married, but you dreamed you were, and it was so wonderful. And, and then you wake up and you say, well, that was wonderful. And you go to your girlfriend and tell her, and she says, honey, I've, I've got something I want to taste. It. Okay, there's a man I love better. What? Now, let's see how many of us have real love. Brother Branham said, if you love that woman, you'll tell her, God bless you, sister. Go with that other man. Most of us will be saying, I'll car bomb him tomorrow. (laughs) I'll take care of that dude. You see how selfish we can still be after we're Christians. Now, brothers... Don't raise your hand. But how many of you could do that? Me and Carol been married, been married 49 years. Now, I don't mind telling you. I've got to be honest with you today. I would really need help with that. She had a boyfriend down there in Kentucky whenever we lived there. And, you know, I never did have many girlfriends, one or two. But Carol was, you know, she was a pretty girl. And she was quite popular in her school. And for me... To turn around and tell Stan, whatever his name is, that sorry dog, <laughs> that he could have her. You can see how much love I've got for him today. <laughs> Brother Joel, could you do that for Sister Tamika? Brother Philip? Brother Paul? Brother Rob? Be hard, wouldn't it? So your Boaz is embraced with this. But friends, as painful as it may be, if we will always do right, right will always stand by us. How is this going to end? How is it going to go? I'll tell you, week after next. (laughs) To be continued. If I do this, I may lose her. I've waited all my life. You imagine an 80-year-old man. I've waited all my life for this type of woman. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. I know this and hasn't been very deep today, and most of them know I'm not a very deep guy anyway. But I pray that it's spoken to our hearts, Father. We want to be people of integrity. Lord, your prophet tells us the beauty of the church is the character of its people. It's not how beautifully coordinated the colors are and the woodwork is so nice and the seats set so comfortably and the air and the heat and so on and so on. For Lord, you would meet your people you did in the catacombs. Many years ago, dear God, as I stood in Kenya, and they got a mix-up in their, in their times and their schedules in the school they're supposed to have. So they didn't have a building for us to even have church on in on Sunday morning. So they set up some chairs in the grass and erected a fast little piece of plywood and some blocks. And I stood up on that plywood. And they put me under the shade tree. And there we had church. And we had church. And you met us. Just as greatly as there, as you have, Lord, whenever we've met in buildings. So I pray you'd help us to realize the beauty 
that we want in our church and in our hearts is the character of Christ. May we be people of honesty, integrity, people that can stand for what's right. And even if it hurts us and costs us, we want to be right. Lord God, would you begin with me today? Search my heart. If there's anything in me, Lord, that hinders my walk, please show me. Please help me. Father, you know as much as I love this church and this people. Yet, Lord, if it would ever come the time that I would feel you'd want me to go somewhere else, wherever, I would want to be willing to do so. For 35 years ago, when you dealt with my heart to leave that church in Kentucky, which I still love to this very day, I will always feel a special love. It would have been much easier to stand there. Nobody knew me. I wasn't on YouTube. We wasn't streaming. If, I, if it's up to me, me and Carol talked about the other day, if it's up to me, I'd still be there. I wouldn't have never left. It had been so much easier. I'd been out of the limelight. I'd been out of been shot at and everything else in the world. But unlike some Christians, I want to live by the way of the cross. So when I heard your voice tell me to come here, and you remember the time, Lord, when you spoke to me and told me to come to this place. I knew it wouldn't be easy. Some of my closest friends blasted me. They run me down. Not one of my close preacher friends stood behind me or encouraged me to do so. As a matter of fact, many of them said I was missing God and I was out of the will of God by doing so. Lord, how many times have I felt like packing up my stuff and getting a U-Haul and heading back down there and just say, forget it. It ain't worth it. But then I come to myself and I think, if I miss your will, how happy would I be? So help each of us today. Each man, woman, boy, and girl. Lord, we want your will. We may have to go through the maze of dangers and walking such a perilous walk. Give us strength. Give us courage. Give us wisdom, Lord God. With all of our heads bowed today, and those of you that are streaming the service, you just say, Brother Donnie, I, I want that for my life. I want the will of God more than anything in this world. I raise both my hands, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, maybe it's a young man. He's pulled between two sisters. Maybe it's a young sister pulled between two young brothers. Maybe it's a man about his job, a woman about this or that or the other. Each of us. Help us, Father. Help us, Lord. To know that as your people, we must always be honest and open and just be what you want us to be. Lead us, Lord Jesus. Guide us, I pray, Father. Praise the Lord. Can we just worship him just a little before we go? What about it, little Ruth? Now you've come up to where he is and you've pulled his skirt down on you. And ask him to cover you. The next thing he's going to do is give Ruth six measures of barley and send her home. And there she's going to get the next instruction.
And that is, sit still, my daughter, for the man will not rest till he has finished the thing this day. May I say to you today, Ruth, rest, for your husband will not stop till he has finished the cycle of redemption in your day. It wasn't for Paul's day, Luther's day, or Wesley's day. But it's for our day. For all seven seals are open. And the Word of God is ready for those who are able to receive it. Can we just love Him a little and worship Him before we go? Praise the Lord. One night with the King. Hallelujah. Changes everything. Oh, you remember that day or night when you was walking up between One those guards? Your heart scared, but His mercy taught you. Did forever change my course.
before you leave today. If you don't know him that real, all he is is a book or a bunch of quotes. He wants to know you as a person. In his courts, dead forever change. Many of you have been serving God for many, many years, but maybe you're just feeling kind of depleted. The things of life are just weighing so heavy on you. Not a prayer today so much for the sinners, but is there any Christians here today to say, Lord, I need strength. I need help. I need hope. I need courage. Would you mind laying your hand on the person standing there by you? Let's just offer a word of prayer for each other, would you? Dear Jesus, you see, Lord, the needs of your people today. Some of them sick. Some of them, Lord, may be burdened, troubled. Maybe they got a wayward son or a daughter, husband or wife. Lord, when you were on the earth, I heard your prophet say it this week, that you got discouraged. And oh, it just meant so much to me when I heard him say it. That you got discouraged. The mighty God the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace and all the great things you were, yet you kicked off so many elements of who you were and you allowed yourself to feel discouraged the way we do sometimes and we think, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it or not. I, I don't know if I can make it or not. You know how we are, Lord. Thank you so much for allowing yourself to feel that. So if I get there or my brothers and sisters get there, we can go to you. And we know that you're not looking at us through ang angry eyes and you're ready to kill us because we get discouraged. But you can remember your human journey and you, remin you reminisce how discouraged you were. You were discouraged with people. You were discouraged with the disciples. Discouraged with so much, no doubt. Father, would you help those that are discouraged today? Maybe they're just going through a little low spot. Lord, they just need a little word from you. They just need a little encouragement from you today, Father. In the name of Jesus, would you pass by our way today, Father? Oh, Lord God, we need your visitation right now, Lord. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. I speak to your enemy and our enemy now, and I say to you, Satan, we are the church of the living God. We cannot be defeated. We cannot be annihilated or destroyed. We are built and founded upon the rock of the revelation of Christ's word. We will never, never be destroyed. Take your hands off of God's property. You sad demons, you demons of oppression and weariness. In the name of Jesus, leave God's people. 
Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, the joy of the Lord is our strength. You are a liar, Satan. You, oh, sad demons, leave God's people. You oppression and weariness that tries to come against the people of God. He is our peace in the time of trouble. He is our joy when we're so weary. He is the lifter up of our heads. And we call you a liar, Satan. In the name of Jesus, leave God's people. Hallelujah. May growths leave their bodies. May afflictions leave their bodies in the name of Jesus. Satan, come out of God's people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. We submit to your will today. Father, Lord, we are willing to take instruction as Ruth was that way. Whatever you want us to do, we'll do it. We come with that attitude and we know that it'll render the right product, Father. Bless your name, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, I worship you. I worship you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. We've got to get to your feet, Lord. No matter how many things are in our way, we've got to get to your feet. Lord God, you're our healer. You're our deliverer. You're a help, Father. You're everything we have need of. We'll go through this course, Lord, to get to you. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We must have you, Father. How many feels that way today? Lord, I've got to have you. Oh, God, I've got to have you. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Lord. I need you right now. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Sometimes, Father, we don't feel like we can make it to Wednesday. Sometimes we don't feel like we can make it till next Sunday. Oh, we need you, Lord. We need you right now, Jesus. Lord God, you wouldn't be leading me this way if there was not people right now that need you. Then, Lord, we don't want to be in no rush. Forget about our dinner. Forget about what we got planned, our picnic or whatever more. Somebody here needs a touch from the Lord. Oh, Jesus, help us to create the atmosphere. Oh, glory to God that the Lord of the harvest can walk up and down these aisles. Blessed be the Lord God. Blessed be the Lord God. Oh, children, whatever you need, reach out to him right now. Blessed be your name, Father. I worship you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Everybody now together. All your heart. Oh, I need you, Lord. We need you, Lord, right now. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord, right now. Oh, Jesus. 
Remember service Wednesday night, we'll be having, be having communion. And uh, everybody come that can. Be our last Wednesday night service. And we'll be having preaching service, normal service, of course, but communion. I think it'd be a good way to kind of come close to it. I know many of you probably feel like me. You're feeling sad in some ways and happy too. And, but we... I was thinking about it this week, Brother Tim, I was there years and years ago at their old, old church. Brother Philip remembers it, and, uh, hundred, over a hundred years old, hundred and some years old, and then they built another church, a metal building, and I actually dedicated it, and I guarantee you they wouldn't have never went back to that old church, would y'all? A few years ago, they moved from the community they were at, and all oh, they got so much criticism from people, and people said this and that and the other, and and they moved, you know, up to Mendon, closer to the interstate. I love it. <laughs> close to the gas stations, close to the restaurants. GPS still won't hardly take you to where the old church was. Y'all like to go back? Really? Wow, did y'all see that? God's blessed them. God sent more people in there. Oh, and that's, that's what I'm expecting for us. We're going to have bigger room, more room to shout. We're going to be able to have big meetings again. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Let's come pray on Wednesday night. We love you. I love you with all my heart. Go with the Lord. Let's just sing this little song. Oh, we fall down. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of His mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. We
Feet.